Hi, I'm Marty Grizzani, and this is The Marty Grizzani Show. As a full-time real estate investor and business owner, I have a real fascination of finding the key principles for business success and personal development. This show is a reflection of my personal mission to find out what truly makes somebody successful in business and in life. We will find tools and tactics that they've used to reach those levels. If you're the type of person is not satisfied with average and you have a hunger for learning that will never cease, this show is for you. Welcome to the show. You know, you're one of the first people. Now, I'd been in real estate, obviously, for a couple of years, but you're one of the first people I met at the uh, the the famed uh, and the prestigious uh, coffee club, as it was. Uh, and still, still, there's some some stuff going on behind the scenes with different groups, which is great. You know, Rochester and, and any other town has a, a real estate meetup of sorts. And, uh, but ours was unique, you know, it was a bunch of just people getting together at seven in the morning. How, how did you find that group anyway? I don't even know if I've ever asked you that question. Uh, Matt Truen invited me. Uh, Matt and I uh, knew each other through uh, college. We were, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell everybody that he was in a fraternity or not, but uh, <laughs> we were in the same fraternity and met on several alumni weekends. And when he decided he wanted to put this together, uh, him and Brett Iwanowicz, uh, I was I was invited because Matt had been somebody that was a go-to for me. Uh, just having started out, had so many questions. And I remember being in college on those alumni weekends and, and picking Matt's brain because somewhere inside of me, real estate piqued an interest. And I, I knew that that if I ever had the opportunity, I would like to go down that road. So I went to the very first coffee club meeting where it was wow. Matt, it, it was Matt, uh, Brett, and Rick Doherty and I. And mm. you know, you're, you're, you're talking to these people. I had never met Brad. I had never met Rick. Uh, it was just Matt was the only one I knew. And I remember walking in. I think at that time I had just purchased my third property. I was right there. Um, but these guys are talking about doing bigger deals. Matt was years ahead of where I ever thought I could be or what I could accomplish. And Brett was doing all sorts of things. Also had a pretty nice portfolio, was flipping and. Rick was, you know, Rick, Rick was a legend at that point, uh, flipping everything that wasn't nailed down in the Southwest. <laughs> so here I am just a little guy, uh, walking in, drinking the coffee and I own three properties, guys. I want to do more. Yeah. And that's kind of the feeling I got too, you know, newer, I, I might've been, uh, I don't know how many had co a coffee clubs had gone on before me, maybe like a year of those before I joined or, or so, but I felt the same way. It was, it was intimidating, but you know, that's like anything, right? And we've talked about this, you and I, it's like you, you join something and then everyone seems to be like on this pedestal. And then all of a sudden, like something happens and you just like, you stay in it and you just like, listen to the conversations and you start having the conversations and then you start having properties and deals that come to you for whatever reason. But like just being around people who are doing things that are inspiring, you start doing 
you start taking action, like doing the things that inspire other people. And then you're like, now we're peers. It's not like anything else. It's like legitimate. We are peers. I am a, a deal maker and a deal doer. Like tell people, I don't think people know this, you know, kind of what your portfolio looks like and where it is. Uh, so my portfolio is primarily based in Park Ave and the surrounding areas. Um, I I own a couple just in the Upper Monroe and then right across Monroe Ave, not quite Upper Monroe, but in that weird triangle between Monroe and Goodman. Uh, but primarily focused in Park Ave. It was an area that so I started a career with the city of Rochester and had a city residency requirement. So to me, it was, I only wanted to buy where I wanted to live and I wanted everything close. And if I was going to manage a full-time job and a portfolio all myself, I needed it close. You, you think about travel time and all those other things that, that just suck your life away. It's that's, that's what it is. So I, I focused on that and I bought my first one and then bought a second one. And then, well, let's talk about the first one because that's always like the biggest hang up, right? For, for people, David, it's like, uh, I don't, you know, how do I do it? How do I get started? So, so talk about that first deal and what that looked like. Uh, so the first deal was, it was a two family. It's on, it was on Boardman street which I'm sure most of the people uh, locally are familiar with the bar JD Oxfords. Uh, if you uh, venture out on a Wednesday anyway, and it's right across the street. So pretty good location. Yeah. Found it, uh, got it under contract and, you know, a number that would be embarrassing to say almost like it was in today's day, uh, I paid $146,000 for it. It's a monster two family that's worth, way more at this point. Um, I just bought at the right time. I had wanted to be a farmer. That was, that was my dream. I grew up working on farms. Family had farms. My grandmother lived on the farm. The, the farm is still a working farm in Webster, New York. Uh, it was, it was, it was a passion. It was, it was, it was everything I kind of loved. It's what I knew. And, uh, I got, I got out of college. I, started working for a company and just didn't love it. You know, you, you, you burst down the doors thinking you're going to run the place in five years. And the reality is much different and, mm. and paths meander and, you know, people appreciate different things. And my style isn't for everybody. Uh, I am, uh, I can be a bull in a China store as my father likes to call <laughs> it. Uh, so I, I, I was, I tried to start a farm. That didn't work out. Uh, what were you trying to grow? Uh, we're doing cash crops. So soybeans, corn, and wheat. Okay. Uh, we had about 200 acres we were working at that point. Wow. Um, so I, it's a lot, but on, on the scale of a farm, it's a little less. Okay. Uh, and it, the partnership just didn't end up working out. You know, we wanted different things, had a different approach to everything. And the end of the first year came and we just kind of, we went our separate ways. Uh, and that was tough because that was kind of like my last ditch effort. I, I wanted to do it. I thought I could do it. I just didn't think I had all the pieces. So kind of fell into a funk 
And I was living at home at the time and my parents recognized that. And they said, what do you want to do, Dave? And I didn't know. And I didn't know. And I didn't know. And I, I had a cousin who was doing real estate in Kansas and him and I talked frequently and it's like, dude, just buy one. Mm. Just buy one. Just buy a house. Like that's, you know, you're 20, you're 23, 24. And someone's just like, Oh yeah, just buy a house. Like that, that it's hard to almost wrap your head around at that point. Yeah. But armed with an iPhone and YouTube, I decided let's pull the trigger. What the heck? Gave it a shot. And I contacted my cousin who was a realtor. And I said, I want to buy a rental property. So we, we found the one on Boardman and I won. I went a little over asking, which was unheard of in the day. And we, we, we got it. And what year was that? That was 2000. That I think we closed in January of 2012, so a little wow. over 10 years ago. Couldn't have been a better time within our like that, like this cycle, right? To buy, yeah. uh, that's unbelievable. So, okay, so you buy that property and then you get the bug, and then you're like, shit, I'm gonna buy up all a park app because, guys, for those who don't know Dave Schreiber, I'm he's not gonna say this, but. He has a sizable portfolio, 50 plus units and growing. Uh, Dave, I don't know if we can say this, but I think you're closing on one tomorrow. I am. I'm closing on a two family in Park Ave tomorrow. So looking forward to it. And uh, it's, it's exciting and it's new. Yeah. And it's a big motherfucker too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot of, lot of, lot of value add. And that's, that's, I think that's my focus when I buy something in Park Ave. I love a dumpster fire. Mm -hmm. I just, I love them. If they need, if they need complete re-roofs or are just poorly managed and undermanaged or need new kitchens, baths, um, anything like that. It's just, it's a passion because I get to put my own twist on things and I'm not a typical I'm not a typical rehabber, I guess, is what I would say. I, I prefer to restore rather hmm. than rehab. Um, I Like I'm sitting in my shop right now and I'm surrounded by windows that we put paint stripper on from, you know, original to the house and took off 10 layers of paint and sandblast the hardware and reglaze all the existing windows on a sun porch. So I have a passion for the architecture as mm. well as the area. And I love putting my own spin because when I do something, I do it with the understanding that I intend to own these for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I, I have no desire to, to, to sell at this point. And I'm sure somebody could change my mind and I'm always willing to, if the number's right, but I, I just, I overdo it. Cause once I leave a property, I don't ever want to go back that's something that's important to me. Yeah. That's, that's a huge thing because I think a lot of people it's hard. Like if they have like a flipping mindset, uh, you may not do a complete job and it's going to bite you in the butt after. But if you go into it thinking and and knowing, I should say that you're going to own it forever, you do things differently. And Mm -hmm. Everybody knows it. The tenant knows it. You know it. The bank sees it when they do an appraisal. All those things. The realtor, when the time comes, you know, yep. it, it, all those great things. So I, I love that, uh, th- that you do that. But 
getting back to it. So you buy that first one and then you, you just go bananas. Like what happened? Yeah. It, it kind of, it started a little slower than that. It was a, it was a slow go. I, I was living there. I was, it was a house hack. Well, it didn't start out that way. Okay. Let's go. I, I did it backwards. I bought that one with a conventional zero experience. The bank made me put 30% down, have six months worth of funds escrowed in an account. And, you know, it was, it was a real hurdle. And even wow. my mortgage broker, who I, I love dearly, told me, Dave, you sure you don't want to live there? Like, this would be a lot easier if you just lived there and got some experience. I was like, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be frugal. I'm going to stay with my parents and be that guy that, you know, just lives at home and owns a house. Like, why, why would I take away from the rent? And if I, if I make money on this, that'll let me either buy more or change my position in life and ease my financial burden because coming out of college with loans and having to buy a car and everything else that goes along with that 1250 an hour of a starting salary just doesn't necessarily get you there. Right. Um, so move, ended up moving in probably six months after I bought it. I uh, moved in with a couple of friends that were being displaced from the, the cottage that they were living at and uh, had moved in with a girlfriend who was getting her master's at the time. And I, yeah, we lived there. It was great. It was like that first little toe in the water of adventure. And then I started getting that, the, the hints, like, I don't love the house. What do you think about this one? And, and getting all those texts from my girlfriend at the time. So she found my second house, fell in love with it, was on the market, came off the market. Fast forward, came back on the market. Deal mm. fell through. We went in, presented a strong offer. It was, uh, it was a two-family on Harvard Street in the ABC neighborhoods. Uh, and just had that, it had that feel. Like you walked in and you were like, wow, this is home. I could do this. Uh, and so I put in a strong offer. I was the only showing and it was, it was good. You know, I, it was, it was good. And then from there it was, I bought that one as an owner occupant with an FHA loan. And then you start doing the math when you look at the FHA loan paperwork and you're like, well, I'm throwing money out the window hand over fist. My PMI, I think was somewhere in the $300 range at the time. And that's just mortgage insurance. That's that's that doesn't cover anything other than the bank's liability. So, I fast forward a year. I refinanced out of that loan into a new loan that didn't have PMI and lowered my monthly payment about five hundred dollars a month. All said and done. Oh wow! So that changed the game there. And then I started looking, and that was the the third house was the first time I ever bought something in cash and refinanced it. Okay. Okay. So that is that something you got hard money for? Did you raise money for that? Did you private investing? I kind of conned my parents into doing it. Love it. Uh, they, <laughs> <laughs> I told them I, w I was buying another one. I wanted to do a cash offer. I wanted to be aggressive on it. And I, they had it listed for $299 and I lowballed them at like $220. And the house needed some work, needed some love. Wasn't bad, but under under rented, deferred maintenance, you know, typical older style landlord. And I convinced my parents to loan me the money out of their 401k. And then I did 
I closed probably 30 days after the cash closing and paid them a majority of their money back, not understanding that some banks have seasoning requirements. So that was my first introduction to <laughs> seasoning requirements. Yep. Learn, learn the hard way. So then I spent the next year or so paying them back because they, I, I didn't get enough money from the mortgage to cover it. And I kicked in my own cash. But the, again, they're only giving you, I think they gave me 70%. And I was counting on 80. And 80 would have put me right where I thought. It would have been fine. But that's not how the card's laid out. That's a really interesting strategy. That's the first time I think I've ever heard that someone has done that. Uh, you know, so for, for, for those who don't know, you know, the 401k, um, you can, you can get a loan if, if like you use it for, and then you pay yourself back at like a certain percentage. Um, what is it like seven, eight percent? Like, did you know that? I, I think it might be different for everybody, but most 401ks allow you to take a loan against them and yep. pay them back. And then that interest that you pay yourself back actually goes into your 401k. That's it. And there's, the, there's some processing charges and some other things that kind of come along with it. But it's, it's really a good option if you have the money sitting there to do and you're not okay with the market performance. So. Such a great... Dude, that is so good. There are so many people who their parents might not have obviously, you know, $400,000 laying around, but they have $400,000 in their 401k and they're, Mm -hmm. you know, got 20 years before they can even do anything with it. But if you can start building wealth or through your family can start building wealth through that. Oh my God. It's a no brainer. You leverage your connections and, and that family is the first one to like, because they know you, they know what kind of person you are. They know what kind of drive you have. And, and, and my parents, they, they were along for the ride, you know, step by step, hand by hand in hand kind of thing. Like they, they, they saw it all, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, you know, my mom going to court, holding, basically holding my hand, going to my first eviction proceeding. <laughs> I just didn't want to go. It was, it was... Wait, this is a good story. What do you mean? <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> I had a couple people, uh, a, a pair of girls that lived in, in one of my apartments and they just, they couldn't get along. Yeah. And that led to one of them just basically moving out and the other one refusing to pay the whole shot, but then also re- refusing to leave and mm. communication became strained and was difficult and, so it finally got to the point where it's like, I'm owed all this rent. I don't know if you're leaving, your lease is ending. I can't even feel comfortable going in there to, to like show the place. Cause I, I don't know if you're leaving. So what I lease the space to another tenant and then you don't get out. Now what do I do? You're, right. you're up a crick. Um, so I started the eviction proceeding and actually ended up going to court. And at that point was when she disclosed that, no, she was out and that everything was all said and done. Oh, that's and, nice. Well, yeah, it was nice until the judge was like, but I'm not going to levy a judgment against you. You guys can go to small claims court for that. So what? That is, oh, yeah. You know, court in Rochester is not necessarily in the landlord's favor. Yeah. Shocker. 
yeah, it's standard practice. Yeah. Okay. That was just, uh, that, I wanted to know that side story. Okay. My mom pushed me to do it. Okay. That, I was was, say, that was the reality. Your mom got you to do it. Your, uh, well, that's a, is she, is she a farmer too? No, not, not, my dad grew up on a farm, uh, chose a different uh, career path. He ended up in the workers comp field. Um, and mom, was on the lawyer track and decided to go more of the family style of things and stayed home for a while, had part-time jobs, and then uh, ended up being a secretary to a, a judge, but super, super passionate about the law, very good with reading and writing, always been a skill of hers. She always proofread every paper I ever had um, and corrected it because... <laughs> I was incapable. Um, yeah. So she was just super familiar with the process and she worked downtown right, right across the street from the building where all the courts were held. And she's like, Dave, I'll just go with you. I know you're nervous because nobody likes to go to court. It's not no. necessarily fun, no. but sometimes it's the only way to solve a problem when two people disagree and that's okay. Yeah, we you grow up a lot uh, owning properties. That is for sure. Uh, and you And you certainly you experience things that you just, you, you can't have norm. You can't have a conversation with a buddy about this. Cause they're like, what? I mean, you just, you just can't like, that's why for people who are listening, you really want to be around uh, not every day, but that's why those, uh, the meetups are so great because there's not a lot of people who can really understand these things and that can appreciate these things or, or even lend, either just an ear or some sage advice on, on some of these things. So uh, those are really important stuff. Um, all right. Then you, you do go bananas at some point. So, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, it, so, it, so I, <laughs> I did the onesie twosie thing for a while and I okay. really, you know, I explored every, every different avenue of how to do it. Yeah, there's so many different strategies. There's just the conventional, okay, I have this cash in my bank account. I'm going to get a conventional mortgage. I'm going to go do it. Oh, I'm going to buy it in cash and then utilize a mortgage to refi out at what it's worth instead of what I bought it for and get all of my cash back. I'm going to go in, buy it low, rehab it, and then pull the money out. Um, there's there, There's so many different strategies. So House number three, you know, did the refi. House number four was the first time I had ever blanketed a mortgage. I'd done a commercial loan, uh, pulled equity out of the first property I bought and bought the fourth. Um, that was super cool because after I bought my third property, I remember going to those meetings thinking, there's no way I can buy more. I just don't have the money. It's, it, it's impossible. Nobody's going to give me money for free. I'm not going to be able to do it. So I'll just sit on my hands, do what I got to do for a year or two, regroup, and then start looking heavily again. And then you show up to those coffee club meetings and people are doing things differently. They have experiences that you don't. So when I mentioned that I thought I was tapped out, I started being questioned. Like, why do you think that? Well, have you thought about this? Have you tried doing it this way? Have you, have you talked to this person? They do this all the time. And it really started to open my eyes about what was possible. So property number four, got a great deal. A couple people had passed on it. They just didn't find the value in it. Um, I actually ended up buying it from the deal from Matt Drew when we came to an arrangement. Uh, 
I bought a, I bought a two family house on Thayer street and that house at the time I purchased it appraised for about $70,000 more than I was buying it for, which was fantastic. I'm like, sweet, super big win. Um, so held on to that one. Fifth one, I did another one, one off. This was a dumpster fire. It was my first time doing a full remodel. So I took a construction loan. Uh, I opted not to go the hard money route. That one kind of just scared me. It was new territory, wasn't comfortable with it. So is that a two or three K loan? You did a construction loan through the bank. Yeah. Yeah. I did a construction loan through the bank. So they gave me the money. I had to put 20% down. Got it. They gave me the remainder for the mortgage. I made interest only payments during construction. And then I was, if I could show receipts, able to pull draws. And I think I had up to like $50,000 in draws. Well, me being me and stubborn, and that was a lot of work. I didn't bother. I just paid for it out of my own pocket. Um, but <laughs> finished, finished the project. And then they, they reclosed the mortgage based on the after repair value. So okay. at that point, I got, I, got a, I got all of my money back plus about five grand. And it was probably right around the time I finished that somebody dangled another carrot. Um, and I can't, I just can't say no. I don't know how. <laughs> so I was brought an opportunity to purchase four properties, two on Park Ave, one on Vic Park A, and one on Vic Park B. And if you're familiar with Park Ave, those are, those are some real gem kind of streets. No Vic doubt. Park A and Vic Park B, the old racetrack, just a beautiful, beautiful street with great history. Um, and they wanted $1.25 million for it. And I started scratching my head and I started going back to all those lessons I had learned on the first five. And I was like, you know, I think I got this. And I said, yes. So put some good faith money down and we're going through the process. We're reviewing all the units. I didn't even get to see all the units because it it just wasn't a possibility. I was buying it through a wholesaler and I'm getting down to the wire and I'm starting to get cold feet. This is going to double the size of my portfolio. Like this was a, this was a jump and I'm stressed out and I'm, I'm driving myself crazy. So I reach out to the wholesaler uh, and it was Chris Seasliak. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm getting nervous. And he's like, what are you nervous about? And, and my response to him was, I'm nervous because what if I fail? And I know I've told you this before. That's why you're smirking over there. But it's one of those things that just sticks with me. And I hear it. I hear it in my head all the time. So when I told him that, he looked at me across the table and said, just very plainly like it was nothing. Well, then don't. (laughs) And it was was just that simple. And we just kind of carried on and and moved forward with the conversation. and, And... and that was it. And as crazy as it sounds, that's all I needed to hear. Hmm. Because I think I, I, I knew that I could do it. I needed somebody else to tell me that I could do it. Hmm. 
And even though it wasn't maybe the most direct way of doing it, it was just like, don't fail. It, it, clearly, it was the, the capability was there. Um, so went through with it, cost me way more money because I'm always terrible at estimating what closing costs are going to end up being uh, than I thought. So took another one of those pesky loans from my parents using their home equity line. <laughs> <laughs> so I pay all the money back and then I borrow it again is kind of the, the theme. You know, I only had, <laughs> I, and then I, and I blanketed those with two other ones that I, I had a ton of equity in and pulled most of it out. But I think I ended up borrowing, you know, somewhere in the $60,000 range, not terrible, but it was enough. Uh, and those were a nightmare. Those were just, <laughs> that was, that was a lot. I did not have the systems in place. I did not have the people available to me. I, I just was so ungodly unprepared mm. to take on that much that quick. It was, it was, it was awful. Uh, I was losing sleep. I, I'm pretty sure most of the gray hair on my head is from that moment in time. I, I, I just, I was stressed. I was eating my feelings. I was, I was smoking real heavy at the time. I just, <laughs> I, was, I was, I was, I was, I was shot, but you, you trudged through it. And, and it wasn't, it was, it was probably the day I closed on I, uh, COVID basically hit. Oh, wow. So couldn't show any of the apartments. There were a ton of vacancies. I did a lot of FaceTime showings and tried to get through it that way and got it all rented. Uh, but a lot of that, it wasn't stabilized rent. It was, I need this rented. And for every month this goes vacant, I'm going to lose money. Mm. So I would rather you boil it down a $1,200 apartment. If that goes unrented for one month, you might as well have asked for 1100 and have somebody live there, somebody paying the utilities and somebody finding out what's wrong and having that income stream. Um, and, and some people look at that different. Some people would rather chase after the higher rent. So the property looks like it's performing better. For me, it's about somebody being there and caring for the place. And I know there's a level of wear and tear too, but that's, that's just my approach. Um, but it probably took me, I'm going to say two years to stabilize everything, to get rents where they should be. It was my first experience where uh, several of the buildings had common utilities. So I was responsible for that central heat, central uh, electric. It, when I bought them, their spectrum was included. Uh, there was just, there were so many nuances to doing it that I, I it took me two years. How many units was that? Uh, that was, uh, 18. Yeah. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. Like you said, it doubled your, it doubled everything. And you know, I, I love that you did it because you said it was, it was like so painful and like, it was a lot of stress, but like, if you think about growth, growth is painful and there's a lot of stress. So yeah. you wouldn't be as good as you are if you didn't have to if you didn't go through that and so i think yeah. a lot of people try to stay in their comfort zone i know we all say that like oh this is like such a this is such a common thing like get out of your comfort zone but it's it's comfortable being in your comfort like that's why i mean it's like it's literally like but i like it here <laughs> right i i like it yeah it's 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 nice it's it's yeah. warm and cozy here but 
you're never going to be able to like have a cool story like this. Like that's the point is like, you're not going to be able I know, oh, by the way, Dave, I know that, that the, 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 those 18 units you bought, it has it doubled in value since then. Pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. Right. So like what looked like a really like tough deal. And again, yes, there's management that needed to be done. And, but Hey, that's a part of being a millionaire, right? You got to freaking do some work in order to get that. Um, Allegedly a millionaire. Well, right. If you look at my <laughs> bank account, you wouldn't think so, but uh, <laughs> supposedly. That's real estate for you. But okay, so that's really important. You didn't stop. First of all, g- kudos to Chris. Chris is like a, he's an interesting bird himself. I'd love to have him on the show I've asked him a few times. It's not his thing. He's got like this confidence where he doesn't, I think he's kind of missing one of those, like that risk thing where like those people that climb those mountains and Mm -hmm. they're like, they're not scared at all. I feel like he might have a little bit of that. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but he's definitely somebody that what a person to talk to uh, in that moment. Cause one of two things, either, he was like, I think this is what I think. I think he was being very truthful and wanted you to do the deal because he knew it was going to be a good deal and it was going to work out. Or he's just a, mm-hmm. like a really somehow good salesperson and it was just like, just don't fail. And like, <laughs> that worked. <laughs> so, I don't think it's the sales piece. I don't this. think it is either. If you know, if no. you know, Chris. Um, but but I anyway, I think that was such an important thing to think about, and I love that it's buried in your brain now because. Because you did that, I can't wait to see kind of what you're gonna do next. Um, because like, do you feel like you have like another now that you did that, right? Now that you had that scary moment, do you feel like you have to like find another scary moment? Like, do you have to kind of like go and do something similar now to like reach that rush, so to speak? Or 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 what are your what are your thoughts with all of this? Like, what's your next move what are you looking at now like where where's your head at the scary moment yeah because you look back in in hindsight and you're like but i did it and you're proud of that and you you love that so for me my buying that much at once was terrifying but even this year i've bought one two three four as of tomorrow, it'll be five more within the last six, seven months, nine months in September. Woof. Um, I, I, I've done that, but I'm, I've also along the way geared myself to do that, built systems. So as I look back on how challenging it was to, to take ownership of these next five in a very, a fairly condensed amount of time, I'm like, you know, that wasn't so bad. What else can I accomplish? How far can I push myself? So I am trying to chase bigger deals, but I'm, I'm, I'm also, I don't want to say limiting myself. I just have such a passion for this area. I, I love everything about it. I love the culture. I love the walkability. I love the architecture. I, I just, I love this space. And so it's primarily where I look. I, yeah, I wouldn't say no to something crazy that was a great deal somewhere else. Everybody in real estate is always looking. I can't tell you how many 
like uh, automated searches because you tell everybody what you're looking for and that's the way you're going to find something. So I, 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 I see everything that comes on the market and I'm just, I'm willing to do both. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I would love to own a 50 unit building. I would love to roll down and see one of these large high rises in Park Ave and own one of those. I think that would be such a unique experience and and be so different that it would be the adventure that I need. But I also love the adventure of the singles. You you have your chance to put your spin on something. And then to even further that, like in real estate, in my opinion, tenants are my business. They are my customers. They are buying into the product that I supply. And my goal is to change a relationship. Many of them come to me and they're, they're always skeptical when they first meet me because I'm a very candid individual. I don't have that prim and proper uh, attitude to, about me. I, I tend to be a little bit more on the blue collar side of things. Uh, not that I can't clean up, but I, I really, I try to have as comfortable of a relationship and be as open to communication as I possibly can with them and, and change their experience. There are a lot of bad landlords. There are far more good landlords than bad, but there are a fair amount of bad ones. So how do I change that? And what I found in doing that over the course of my career, my, my, my 10 years, is that even if tenants leave an apartment, they typically try not to leave me. So Mm, mm -hmm. maybe there's a circumstance where you have a roommate situation and they they're getting along fine, but one of them gets a good job, wants her own space. Says, Dave, do you have a one bedroom? I say, yeah, let me show you these three that I have coming available. Tell me what you want. Uh, We'll narrow it down. And I I would say 90% of the time I have something and I, move a tenant that I already have a fantastic relationship with, know that they pay, move them right out of that one into that one. And I would say 50% of the time, those other two roommates find a third. So then they stay and I keep that relationship. And that is, it can create an accounting nightmare. My, my mother does my books when I have to move people she gets a little antsy at me and I, I, I don't blame her because I fly about a hundred miles a minute and she's kind of left to pick up the pieces a little bit. So <laughs> yeah, I know, I know what that's like Nancy, if you're watching this, good job. Um, <laughs> I, but I, I, I'm not, I guess at this point, I'm just not that afraid of anything. I, I want to do more. And I know that at a base level, that's what it boils down to. I have more in me. I've built the systems. I have the ability and I know that I'm capable. And it's more than I ever thought. You you track it back to when you first start down this journey of buying real estate. And I I remember my goals and I I think about them often of how self-limiting I was, where when I started out, I said, okay, I'm 20, I was like 23, 24 at the time. I'm like, by 30 years old, I want $500,000 in real estate, half a million dollars. That'd be incredible. And then by 35, I want a million dollars. And 
And I was so confident in that number. It's <laughs> like, I'm really pushing myself here and I'm going to, I'm going to drive to succeed. And it, as you go down this road, you realize that's not that much. Mm. And it, it's, it's not enough to make a lifestyle out of even to an extent. You, 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 that would be supplemental at best. And if you, if you want to live this life and, and, and find the passion to live this life, you do need to grow in your own way, whatever that way may be. If it's volume, if it's quality, if it's location, there's so many different approaches. But you fast forward where now I'm, I'm 34, I have a portfolio that's, if you include tomorrow's purchase, which closing is set, money's in, everybody's ready to go, I just got to sign a couple pieces of paper, uh, I, I probably am I'm hovering right around a $7 million valuation in Park Ave real estate, which is so much further ahead and I haven't even hit my 35-year mark. Exactly. And, and, and my contractor, the, the guy that helps me out, my maintenance guy, he, he's laughing at me because I told him when I started, I said, ah, I'm not, I'm not buying anymore. I'm not, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Famous last words of, uh, of, of a lot of real estate investors, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now he's coming back to me. He's like, I think you've got two more in you by the end of the year. He's not wrong there too. If the right... I, because here's the thing about when you were saying is I'm with you 100%. I know you could do bigger deals. I know you could take down bigger deals. That's not it. It's more of like you've done such a great job of branding yourself as I buy, like my buy box is this. And I think people know that now. And I think and even more so, you know, like, hey, this is something that is, I'm going to buy this. If it's in this wheelhouse, if this is, if it's in my buy box, I'm just going to buy it. So it's like your brand is, is so, it is so well established now, which is crazy to think like it's not been that long, but it's, but it has really been a, a while. And you've, cause you've done, you've taken so much action is that like, it's hard for you not to do what you're doing right now. Cause you, cause you love Park Ave. So why stop you? Mm-hmm. You still love your, you know, I know you say you don't, but I think you still love your your full time job in a way. Oh, you don't ab- hate it enough, absolutely. right? To leave, don't hate um, it at all. You don't hate it enough, right? And yeah. I think that's a really tough thing. Is like I think a lot of people get into this because they hate their job so much, and they're like, and, and you're one of the guys. Is I like my job. You told mm-hmm. me that you're like I like my job. I I, I don't really want to leave. I, I'm I enjoy it. I enjoy what mm-hmm. I do, and. So you have that part too. And then you have another side business that you do as well, uh, where I don't understand how you have the time for that. But uh, if you don't know, Dave also does mold uh, uh, remediation. So give him a call. I don't know if he can take you, but if he can, he will help you for sure. He's helped us a bunch of times. Um, But I guess that's important to know is that yes we can do bigger things and when the time comes but you're patient i think that's not getting i don't think that is a a thing that people do a lot of times is like be patient so i just want to commend you for that well thank you and 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 along those lines marty i i also recognize that i'm not the salesman i'm not the sales pitch i'm i'm not the guy that's going to cold call these people I'll have a conversation and maybe it leads to me mentioning that I would buy something, but that's usually the extent of it. The idea of hunting down deals to me is it's not my strong suit. 
where I am strong and why I, I think I've been confident enough and comfortable enough in my space is that I'm the follow through guy. I'm going to tell you within 15, 20 minutes of looking at a place, whether I'm interested or not at whatever number you're coming at me with. And I will tell, I will always give you honest feedback. And if I say I'm going to buy it, I'm going to follow through. It's, it's that easy. I will figure it out. I will find the money. There's always the money, you know, the Grant Cardone saying, if you find the deal, you can always find the money. No it's, doubt. It's, it's true. And you don't think it's true, but it's true. Who's got my money? <laughs> yes, there it is. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's making sure that everybody knows what I want. And if they have an opportunity, that I'm the guy that they want to work with. So I make it as easy as possible. There's no strings attached. I don't jerk people around. This is what it is. I'm willing to commit if you are, and then follow through. The follow through is what gets a lot of people. You, you buy and sell enough houses, you know that, I mean, I'm, I'm selling my first flip right now and my first deal fell apart. There was no follow through. They committed, then they didn't have the good faith deposits and okay, we're willing to be a little flexible on that as long as you can show us the pre-approval letter and have funds available. I know you're waiting on money or something and then it fell apart. So that follow through part is just, that's the reality. No one's going to do it for you. You follow through, you're going to do it, whatever it is, whatever it takes. And you, you set your mind to it. There have been nights. I, I think I worked for like the better part of 48 hours straight last winter. We got a couple of those. We got a couple of those really nasty snowstorms. And I, I thought it'd be a great idea to get into plowing. Oh God. Sounded, sounded perfect. You know, nothing like waking up at two in the morning to check for an inch of snow. And then, <laughs> And then there isn't an inch of snow. So you go back to bed till three and so on and so forth. And then by four in the morning, you're outgoing. And I, I worked from, I think I worked from like, I think I went at midnight. The storm started early. Went at midnight. You know, it's, it's fun. I got a lot of friends that plow too. So we're, we're all at like a group call, busting each other's chops, listening to people hit things and like hit bumps. <laughs> and, and, and I went till probably eight o'clock, got done just in time went to work, worked all day, got out. It had started snowing again. I always do a cleanup run because all the plows mounting the snow at the end of the driveway, just push it away. So you don't have that huge hump that bottoms out every car. Uh, And then it snowed enough to go around again and again. And before you know it, it's four in the morning and you're like, well, at this point, I might as well go find a 24 hour diner have a couple cups of coffee, <laughs> yeah. send her right on up the road. Cause that's the way we're going to do it. And those, those, those moments are tough, but you get through them. And I'd say I'm stronger for them to an extent. I also learned that I love the idea of snow plowing. I love the first three or four times we go out. And after that, somebody else can do it. <laughs> so you're not doing it this no, winter. Oh my uh, God. He's insane, folks. Yeah. You can take the farmer off the farm, but you cannot take the farmer. I don't know the rest of it, but you're just the work ethic, dude. I think people don't understand like what it really takes. And if you're listening, it's like, Oh, Okay. Like Dave's kind of oh by in the way a lot of the stuff he does. He's just a worker. If you really want it, you work. And and then the biggest thing is 
once you get to that point, once you get to that, like, I think a lot of people are like, they fear the success. So they do some self-sabotaging things. And, and maybe one of those things would have been not buying that portfolio because you didn't have the confidence, but you follow through and you, and you went for, and you, you made a commitment. You told someone you were going to do it. You did it. And then the victors go to the spoils. You, you, you deserve what you get. Like you deserve every single thing that comes your way, Dave. I, I, I really believe that all the good things that are happening. You deserve them because of the work you're putting in. Thank you. That's, that's something that I've learned by example, though. You know, you, 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 if we circle back to that coffee club, that, that root coffee club, because I can trace a lot of my success to sitting around the table with, with people. And, and I look at the people. I, I remember leaning over to Matt Honeyford at one meeting, and I said, Matt, just take a look around this table. Just, just take a second. These are the people that are going to run the real estate market in Rochester. <laughs> It, and it's, it's starting to be true. Yeah. No, because I, I have, everybody does such different things, but it's all in the same space. You know, I, I look at you and your partner, Matt, and, and I, what you're doing. And then I look at Matt Druin and his partner, David, and I look at uh, Chris and, and Matt Honeyford. And, and, you know, there are tons of other examples of people that are just doing crazy amounts of things, flipping properties, doing, I mean, I met a guy that was doing billboards. I thought that was so cool. That's such a different thing that you don't hear about. Uh, you got the short-term rental guys. You got, you got people just all over the road that are, it's so unique and diverse. And, you know, there, there are, I don't know, there, 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 there's gotta be a hundred different things that I'm forgetting about here. You know, room rentals, management, just straight up maintenance services, uh, realtors, mold guys like me, like you, you, you just don't know. There are so many different segments to it that there's always a place where you're going to fit in whatever you want to do. There's a way to do it. And it all kind of can come back to the real estate. And I'm so proud to, to, to like talk to people like you and, and other people that I've kept in touch with, Matt Honeyford, Matt Truen, Chris, Ben, all those guys that we sat around that table when we were brand new. And now to look back, we're all seasoned and then some. So I go to the coffee club from time to time now. Tuesday mornings are a little tough for me. I have a bunch of early meetings, but every once in a while, my schedule frees up where I can make it. And I go to that meeting and I sit at that table and people are looking at me like I used to look at everybody else. <laughs> yeah. And that is such an odd feeling because I don't, I don't look at myself that way yet. I don't feel like I'm where I'm destined to be and that I have to keep pushing, but people, people want to follow the same path that I did much like anybody when I first started, I'm an open book. Like it's what I did is not, I don't want to say overly special because I think it's unique in its own way, but I got here by brute force, sweat and blood and tears. Like that there, there, there wasn't some magic formula. I don't think I got lucky other than committing to hold this stuff for a long time. Uh, and that's where a lot of my wins have been and a lot of my leverage to continue to grow has come from is just the idea of holding appreciation and even a, a slight level of debt pay down because we all know how mortgages work. Um, 
but it, it's, it's, it's almost fun to give back. You can, you give people your numbers. Some of them call, some of them don't. Some of them take you to coffee. Some of them don't. And you talk them through things and you question them and you push them like you wanted to be pushed. And like I, you and I probably were pushed. I mean, you, I look at you and I'm, I'm envious of the commitment that you and Matt were able to make because you both left your jobs. You had a great job. I'm scared to do that still. I love my job. I love the people I work with. I love my boss. I love, I love, I love what I do, but you know, working for yourself is alluring. It's, it's a, it's a dream. It's, it's something that we all want. I I would love to just get up in the morning and look around and drink a cup of coffee, go for a run and have the day to do whatever task I assigned myself for the day rather than show up at eight, take a lunch at noon, come back and go home at five. Ben, that may be your (laughs) next, that may be your next scary point in your life, right? Because I don't know. I know it's coming. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I want to be cognizant of Dave's time. Dave, where can people find you? We know your buy box now. It's pretty much anywhere in Park Ave. That's, you know, a decent, like, just send him anything that's not listed on Park Ave. He's already getting that. But if you have an, if you have a off market deal in the Park Ave area, where can they, or just if they want to get in touch with you to take you to coffee, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, you know, I'm not a big social media guy. Never, never been my thing. Kind of drew away from my time to focus on the things that I valued. Uh, so I don't know. Can I just give everybody my phone number? Absolutely. Well, you can. Yeah, absolutely. You go ahead. You sure? Yeah. Uh, All right. Sounds a little creepy, but, uh, you know, call me, uh, my area code is five, eight, five. And then it's seven, six, four, five, zero, one, nine. It's my cell phone. You can call text, whatever you need to do. Um, I'm, pretty available. I don't sleep much. I think we, (laughs) we already established that it's not my style. Um, but yeah, I'm always, I'm, I love meeting new people. I love seeing other people chase their dreams and, and do it their own way and follow through. And, and I want to be a part of everybody's journey and I want people to be a part of mine. So I love it. That's a drop the mic guys. That is the end of the episode. I was, uh, blown away with Dave when I first met him and I um I'm glad that he is a a person I met at the coffee club he is an of an extremely successful in uh, in savvy real estate investor uh but he's also a very good friend so thanks for the time Dave and uh, we will catch you next time great talking with you Marty bye 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 Thank you for tuning into the Marty Grizzani Show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're on Spotify, make sure you follow us for weekly episodes.